electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the keynote by CNBC Events. I'm Tyler Matheson. On this podcast, we bring you in-depth, candid conversations with executives, experts, and thought leaders. Today, you'll hear from Peloton co-founder and chief product officer Tom Cortese on his company's incredible growth during the pandemic, Peloton was the ultimate stay-at-home stock, its treadmill troubles, and how he sees Peloton evolving in the future. Cortese spoke to my colleague, CNBC's senior media and tech correspondent, Julia Borston, on October 21, 2021, at CNBC's Disruptor 50 Summit, an event celebrating fast-growing, innovative, and, yes, disruptive startups. Peloton was on CNBC's 2018 and 2019 Disruptor 50 list before going public in September of 2019. Here's their conversation. So, Tom, I want to start off with this idea of being a disruptor and being an innovator. And I, I think it's really notable that you and your co-founders are still running the company. That is a very unusual thing for a startup to transition to keep that leadership um, when a company goes public. But we're going to return to that topic. I want to start off with this idea, though, of being an innovator and how you keep innovating. So my question is, after this period of transformation and change of the way we all live and exercise, how are you thinking about innovation now to hold on to consumers and capture more of them as we enter this new hybrid work-life world. What a great spot uh, to start, Julia. You know, we, we live and breathe um, innovation here at Peloton, and um, I get to spend my, my days with the folks involved in hardware, software, and content. And if you think about our business and what we get to do, um, we get to innovate almost on three different timelines. With our daily content production, we have our instructors and our producer team, uh, our music team, innovating essentially daily, um, looking at trends and how our members are working out, how consumers want to work out, bringing new class content uh, uh, to the forefront, being able to, being able to test new class types, um, et cetera. And we can do that on a daily basis and immediately respond to changing tastes um, in, consumer, in consumer behavior. And then on a you know, weekly or monthly basis, we're putting out software updates to all of our, um, um, our equipment, our bikes, treads, and whatever else might be coming, um, our TV apps, our iOS and Android apps. On a, on a, on a you know, multi-week or, or multi-month basis, we're, we're putting out updates. And again, that same idea where our teams are just plugged in to an understanding of what our members are doing as they move through our system, looking for those pathways where our, our members are finding enjoyment and trying to just widen those pathways, looking for uh, areas where there might be any friction and just ripping them out. And then, and then third, you know, on a um, one or two year cycle, we're innovating in hardware. And we've got you know, teams who are deep into looking at what's happening in you know, motor technology, for the future to create the, the future treadmill or, or, or other, um, what's happening in industrial design, how to create the most unique equipment that fits into the, into the convenience of, of home in a way that we know um, our customers love. So what's, what's just 
so much fun about our business is that we can innovate across all three of these areas and we can do it on these unique timelines and just and just keep on keep on going. Yeah, I mean, as you talk about innovating over, you know, near term, medium term and long term, it seems to me like the pressure to accelerate the pace of innovation on all three of those levels is is more intense than ever because you have people who have more options than ever. And I'm not talking about other exercise bikes they can use at home. I'm talking about, yes, there are things like mirror and tonal, but more realistically, people are just leaving the house and maybe less willing to make a big investment in at-home fitness. How do you think about sort of overall maintaining and accelerating your pace of innovation? Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's, it's, about, it's about creating something that consumers love. And when you look at Peloton and you look at the system that we've built, you look at the fact that um, you know, year over year, our members work out more with us year two than year one, more in year three than year two, right? The, 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 the proof is in, is in the data points that we've created a system that is engaging in a, in a way where folks finally feel that they can enjoy working out, they have fun working out, they want to work out, and so they do, right? And, you know, I, I think what's, 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 what we should remember about you know, what we're all doing is we, we are bringing products to market to people, to consumers. For us, there are, there, there are members. And when you can show genuine value um, and, you can, and you can show that you pr- produce something that um, works, for, works for the consumer in a, in a, spe- in a special way, that's how, that's how you, you know, capture the attention of the consumer. And, you know, we believe that we've, we've found a very special formula um, when we entered the market with bike, and we've been able to, you know, bring that same type of formula um, to tread. We're now using that formula and bringing it across multiple modalities with our app-based platform, and we've got a ton more um, in the pipeline. And so we're just going to keep staying focused there. We we know what we know what we have. We know how to make our members tick. And we're going to go bring that across multiple modalities and across multiple geographies and keep on going. Well, we look forward to seeing what other products you launch. But I think that you, you raise this interesting point about sort of innovating and figuring out how to apply this model that, that you came upon early in Peloton's life cycle to all these other platforms. And that brings me to this topic of adapting from being a startup to being a big public company. And we see a lot of, a lot of companies have changes in leadership, but Peloton is relatively unique in that you and your co-founders are still running the company. So I'm wondering how you think about maintaining the speed of a startup startup, the, the energy and innovation of a startup, and also figuring out how to adapt to the, the structures and the oversight of being, being a public giant effectively. Uh, yeah, it, there's, a, there's a lot there, but I, I've got to start with the fact that what's, what's funny to me about this whole concept and the, uh, and, uh, and the question is, you know, for me, I'm still me. And I've been the same me for, for 10 years. My co-founders are still the, the co-founders who um, I've been working uh, with making Peloton happen for the, for, for, for the last 10 years. Um, we still have you know, the same level of remarkable trust uh, in, in one another. Um, and we, we, you know, we still um, argue with one another in, 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 in all the same ways, right? And so I know to the outside world now we are a, uh, a big company, but... Uh, you know, we are still that we are still that core group, and 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 some of the principles that applied back when we were five people, uh, that now apply when we're more than five thousand, um, 
I think are, are the ones to focus on. And, 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 and my favorite of which, and the one I think has, has really made uh, this all work, is this notion of divide and conquer. Um, you know, when we got together as, as five folks, we each had our own unique role uh, that we were that we were to play, and I won't go through what, what they each what they each were, but but layered on top of having that that unique and discrete role, uh, we each had a great deal of trust that the other would, you know, bring to bear uh, what we what, what we expected of what we expected of each other, such that we would arrive together uh, at that at that same point and be able to you know drive drive the business forward, and along the path when you're when you're operating under divide and conquer like this. You also have to be super cognizant of all the things that you actually do well and the things that you actually do not. Um, and I think we have a pretty conscious group, um, especially on the do not on the do not piece. And, and, and what we've been able to do, taking this divide and conquer method and then taking this, this uh, self-awareness, call it, we've been able to look and say, well, hey, where do we have holes and how can we shore up our executive team um, you know, with with folks who can who can plug in in different ways and bring different perspectives, and so here we are now, and it is ten, ten years later from from the founding, just about. Um, and if you look at our executive team, we've got this great mix of, uh, you know, the old folks like me who've who've been there uh, since since day one, and these you know remarkable professionals who have been who have been sewed into the fabric of our of our corporate culture and, and help us drive. And now together, you know, we continue to push. Yeah, some valuable lessons there, I think, probably for many different types of companies, this idea of self-awareness in hiring to, to fill the holes and also um, delegation and dividing and conquering. I'm wondering if there are any other lessons you've learned in the past decade about what it takes to su su successfully adapt into into the sort of public company role. I mean, I always reference what Reed, hey, uh, Reed Hoffman says about going from being a pirate to being part of the Navy. You know, you start off small and scrappy, and then all of a sudden you're the establishment. So what do you, any other piece of advice, what would you tell entrepreneurs about what it takes to successfully make that jump? Look, uh, you know, whether or not, um, you know, we are perceived as the establishment when I walk into, um, a, you know, a certain room uh, or, or not is, is is up to you know is up to the the, the folks the, the folks looking in. I do think it is really important um, to stay true to um, your core values, to stay true to those uh, um, to those things that made made uh, made you work. And I just I just gave you examples what I what I think made you know made us work when we were small. And I'm certain that we're able to continue to bring those um, cultural elements uh, to bear. Um, even as even as we're a bigger uh, as we're a bigger company, and so again, uh, we we remain that that same company. We we wake up with that 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 same hunger. We continue to have that chip on the shoulder that we've had from day one when no one wanted to invest in Peloton, right? We we still wake up thinking we're that guy, right? Um, we're those guys. Yeah. And uh, and 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 we also wake up every day um, with sort of the, the the recognition and the burden that. Even though we are 10 years into this journey, you know, we look down and we find our toes just standing on the starting line because that opportunity ahead is so enormous. And that's an incredibly energizing thing. Right? It's, some days I wake up and it's, it's the opposite of energizing, like how after 10 years am I still on the starting line? But, but, but it's, also just, it's also just awesome. Like, wow, okay, guys, we've got 
We've got the world's opportunity ahead. Let's go get it. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. So, Tom, as you look at the next 10 years, my question is, what kind of company is Peloton? Is it a fitness company? Is it a media company? Is it a tech company, a hardware company? Maybe all of those things. But how would you articulate what the future is of this company? We are a company focused on providing tremendous value for our members. Um, And what's been interesting about our journey is we've had to be a whole great number of companies in order to make that happen. In order for us to step into fitness and completely innovate um, and, and change the narrative of how people you know, feel about home fitness, how people approach fitness from something that they had to sort of will themselves to do to being something that they um, can, enjoy, can enjoy doing, from something that they had to sort of travel to go make happen to something they can do from the convenience of, of their home, from something where all of a sudden you know, the, the magic and power of a group can be right there with you wherever, wherever you are. In order to completely shift that, that industry and draw consumers into a, into a whole new system for fitness and show them that it, it, it works for them, we had to go and innovate in all these different categories, right? We, we had to become a hardware company. We had to become a software company. Um, we built, you know, we built studios. Um, we built our own um, delivery facilities. Um, I know you like talking about supply chain these days. Um, you know, we, we're in the process of building a factory um, in, o- in, in Ohio. And we've done all those things not because we wake up and say, like, wow, it would be awesome to create a really complicated business. But we, we do them because we have to do them in order to provide the value that we want to provide for, uh, for our members. And so as long as we see opportunity to provide value, we're going to go do what, what we need to do. And, and what's great about that formula is that, you know, when when you put forward a, a product or service that that that, that genuinely creates um, value for for the consumer, the consumer is going to be there. So let's talk a little bit about supply chain, though. I, I saw the this joke that the press secretary uh, at the White House made about the the tragedy of the delayed treadmill. And so sort of poking fun at the fact that there are things that are maybe nice to have that are delayed, like treadmills, but then also much more serious things that are delayed. How are you approaching the supply chain issue? Yes, down, down the line, you might have a factory here in the U.S., but how big of a problem could this be for you nearer term? You know, uh, look, it, it was certainly a problem over the over the over the over the last 18 months. Uh, thankfully, we have uh, a team who also has deep in their in their bones this notion of uh, uh, having a bias to action. 
and um, you know we you know we we pulled we pulled all the levers that we can pull. Um, it, you know it was it was reported at some point you know we were putting uh, bikes and treads on on planes in order to be able to get uh, in order to be able to get them here, um, but. You know, we have a very robust supply chain that we've been building over the last number over the last number of years. We have a, a, a big investment um, in Taiwan and our partners and in our facilities. Um, we have great um, relationships with um, with carriers, and um, through both our investment in the state of Ohio um, and um, our new partners, um, an acquisition of Precor, we've been building out our um, North America. Um, Production and supply chain capability. So we've just been attacking this um, at uh, you know across every aspect of uh, of the supply chain um, with with every with everything we've got. So that as we look ahead, we feel we feel very comfortable about um, being able to being able to chase this opportunity as the globe sort of um, settles out of this um, chip shortage and um, uh, ocean shortage that we're that we're seeing right now. Yeah, I mean, that's, that is certainly an issue that so many different companies are dealing with. But you did have a unique issue, which was this treadmill recall. Tell me how you approached that crisis and how you tried to learn from it for, for the future. Yeah, look, um, you know, we, uh, we had to recall the treadmill th- this summer. And it was a, you know, a gut-wrenching moment for all of us as executives, as founders, as a team uh, to... Um, wake up to the news of uh, of a tragedy and 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 determine how to respond to it. You know, over the course of building this business, we've been, you know, w- we've we've genuinely enjoyed waking up to being able to receive these wonderful notes from our members, um, social posts, et cetera, talking about how Peloton has, you know, allowed them to transform their lives, especially over. The, the pandemic, we got you know, so many folks reaching out and saying, you know, you know, I, I'm so thankful that through this I had my treadmill, or I'm so thankful I had my I had my bike, I'm so thankful I had the Peloton app, um, and that's what that's what that's what powers us. That's what makes us feel good about what we're doing, and and makes us want to continue to bring Peloton product and service to more and more folks. And so to get, um, you know, to to to, to ha- for, for this to happen, for this you know gut wrenching uh, you know moment of, of the recall to happen, um, you know you know was just something that was devastating. And um, but you know we've responded we've responded really swiftly. Um, we now have the um, all new Peloton tread out in market, and you know we've we've baked in um, a number of features that we believe make us the out in front innovator now in safety for. Uh, for treads, and our team is energized uh, by the notion that, you know, with all of these aspects of the fitness industry where we've been the out in front innovator, our team is energized that we can now take take this charge and become, um, you know, the the far far ahead runner in everything safety related um, for innovation in fitness. 
So looking at that moment of being able to turn a crisis into an opportunity for transformation, um, you also had an, an example of something much smaller, of course, though, but with the marketing issue around the Peloton ad for holiday 2019, which upset a lot of people, um, you shifted gears after that marketing uh, uh, mishap, some would say, and really shifted on consumer stories, real stories of Peloton users. I'm wondering what your advice would be to startups or to companies in general about how to use crisis as an opportunity for positive change? Uh, You know, I almost forgot about that ad after everything that's happened in the last (laughs) last two years. I got to say, I really think we were misunderstood on that one, but uh, we won't (laughs) relitigate the past. Um, Misunderstood or not, it clearly didn't, it clearly didn't, it clearly didn't resonate. And that was something uh, that was quite obvious to us and our team. And so, you know, we, we, we turned around and we said, all right, we, we had something that we meant. Uh, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't get. It didn't come across clearly. Um, you know, let's let's regroup. And and as we regrouped, you know, that's what we came back to. We said, look, let's 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 get back to just allowing uh, the story to tell itself. Uh, we know that folks um, who have who have Peloton um, love their Peloton. Let's let them. Let's let them tell the stories. Um, and and let and let that be known. So, you know, it, these. These type of mishaps um, um, happen, right? And um, we obviously didn't get uh, get all tangled in a knot about it. Uh, we we picked up and and we were on to the next. That was Peloton's co-founder Tom Cortese. He joined us at CNBC's Disruptor Fifty Summit on October twenty first, twenty twenty one. The keynote is produced by the CNBC events team. Don't forget to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also visit CNBCEvents.com to learn more about upcoming events and how you can join us. We'd love to have you there. I'm Tyler Matheson. Thanks for listening.